Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Goodbye, University. Welcome, everyone, to our September Book Club at Goodbye University. I'm Jeanette, and let's hear a quick hello from everyone who's dialed in before we dive into our book review today, which I think several of us picked up Pam Grout's Think and Grow Rich, but if you read something else, we want to hear about that as well. So, Nancy, I see you're dialed in. Hello. Hey there, Jeanette, and everybody on the call. Great to be here. Thank you for being here, Nancy. And is that Patricia that I see? It is. Hello. Yay. Did you read the book, Patricia, or are you just here for conversation? I actually, I actually did read it, yeah. Oh, right on. I can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. Susan's also here. Hi, Susan. Hello, everyone. Oh, I love it when you can make a call. And Guillaume is here. How are you, my friend? Very good. Thank you, Jeanette. Hello, everybody. It doesn't feel like it'd be a proper party without you, my friend. I'm just Oh, thank know. you. Yeah. I hope you always I'm going to get the beers and wines. Well, thanks for joining us. And Ming, I bet that's Ming. Yep, I'm here. So who else is dialed in who I haven't said hello to yet? See Carrie in chat room. Hi, Carrie. Well, if anyone joins us or anyone has any thoughts to share, we'd love to hear them as we go on. So this is a new book. I, I don't. I think it was recently published, like maybe a month or so ago, two months ago. Does that sound about right? From Pam Grout, best author of best-selling E Squared. I don't know what the subtitle of that book is. Uh, and this, she is such an entertaining writer. I knew that no matter what she was writing about, I would enjoy this read because she is. I find her writing style just delightful. But this topic especially. In fact, Keiko and I were talking the other day about it. She had read it. I hadn't yet. She had favorable things to say. And I said, yeah, but did you learn anything new? And she said, Jeanette, the principles of law of attraction are so simple. I, no, you don't learn anything new when you read a book about law of attraction. It's simple stuff. It's not rocket science. Uh, and I understood exactly what she meant, that that it isn't necessarily that we're learning something we never heard of before, but the way that Pam presents it can re-inspire us to um, – uh, engage this practice of of purposely looking for things to appreciate. Now, in the book, I noticed Pam does not make the distinction that Abraham does about gratitude and appreciation. I don't know who started that thread in the forum, but I sure liked that one. Um, so, it was Keiko. Yeah, it was Keiko who mentioned it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd love to hear from someone who someone who read it to share their initial thoughts. I don't think... I've I've got some quotes highlighted. Get this, I ha, I did I after I moved and had to give away so many of fabulous hard copy books because I just didn't want to buy another bookshelf. I thought I'm going to have to just get on board with digital books. You could tell how not excited I am. So I bought this one on Kindle even though I don't have a Kindle. I read it on the computer. And I can already tell how I don't feel like I have as close a connection to it even though I did use the highlighter. But I'd love someone else to lead their lead this discussion on thoughts about what they got from Pam Grout's Think and Grow Rich. Nancy, did you read it? 
Um, I did not read it, but I know that Carrie uh, in Canada had read it. In fact, she's the one who's been posting in the forum about her experiment. Um, she's been posting her daily uh, appreciations. I wonder if she's dialed in. I've been enjoying like her post. In fact, it was Carrie's practice that made me more excited to read Pam's oh, book. I loved it. I read it. Read it. it. Okay. Yeah, I loved it. I actually read it actually a couple of times. I even, and wrote I Pam, even, right? <laughs> I did write Pam because, and she wrote me back too. Um, did you guys recognize when she was talking about us in the book? Who? Pam Grouch. She talked about us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, what did she say? <laughs> she, we didn't get named, but she said she was talking with some readers recently and was, oh, I don't know if she used the word embarrassed or guilty, but she was. She said they asked about what my process is. That was me. I asked her, what's your manifesting process or your alignment process? And, and she said she didn't have one. And then she... I remember on the call that we did with her at GVU, she said something like, I just, you know, go enjoy my life. And I was like, oh, well, that's your process then. And she's like, I don't think of it as a process. <laughs> it's just what I do. So uh, I think she had a process. She just didn't call it that. And it was a pretty simple but very effective one. But, yeah, so we got a little mention in the book there. But um, so Ming, what, what – what really stood out for you about the book? I I just liked, I think it resonated with me so much because it's so much of how I live my own life. So that, I think that's why it got me so lit up and excited because it was, like you said, I love the way she writes. And so um, I think that's probably why I kept kind of reading it over and over again. That's, but I just, I love the part about, you know, um, just being enjoying gratitude and seeing all the positive things in your life and how, you know, that brings in money. It was funny because I I had read, like, maybe the first three to five chapters, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I called Amina, and I said, have you read this book? It sounds like you and me and what we're teaching. And she said she hadn't read it yet. But I was just – I think there's – she just gives so many different examples of how, you know, getting into that joy and gratitude frequency – I really like that that frequency thing, and and um, I mean, you know me, I I love being in joy anyway. So I think that's that's why I loved reading about her experience and being in joy and gratitude and being you know tapping into that frequency and then just seeing the abundance and roll in. And I like the fact too that she's also teaching it as a way of um, trying to get everybody on a collective level. That's what I wrote her about in the email. You know how. Mm-hmm. If we all just it's that we're all connected and then we can you know make a difference on the planet, which is you know what I want to do too and I think that's why I wrote and said you know we're we're all teaching the same thing, it's all awesome, you know, and um, I think that's what stood out because i can't I highlighted a whole bunch of pages well, parts and you know and and I'm kind of like wondered, you, right, go ahead. what I wondered Ming was how you responded to look, it's called think and grow rich. And pretty early in the book, she talks about how, I don't mean grow rich in the way that Napoleon Hill meant grow rich, right? right? Like, she's talking about, you know, the abundance of possibilities and opportunities and love and not money. 
uh, and and I she talked a lot about oh she quoted there was a great Bill Gates quote that said she, where he was saying something like sure I understand why someone would be excited about their first million but after that it's it's the same hamburger <laughs> it's the same burger right right uh, it, she seemed to be devoting a fair amount of space to downplaying the the actual money. And right. that's not what you do, Ming. So I was kind of curious how how you responded to that message. I guess, it, well, yeah, because I don't really, I, the way I look at money, I don't look at it as, you know, a millionaire wanting money to have things. So I guess that's why it resonated with me. You know how she talked about that? And she was saying how the millionaires have their own problems and they already, they worry more than the people that, you know, don't have money or or they're gathering things or whatever it is. So I guess the part that resonated with me is is a the part of being of service and to and to being generous and to do what makes us happy. Remember, she writes about um, how when we get, do things that light us up and we, you know, basically what I've been saying about when we tap into our own gifts and then the universe has to deliver. And she talks about that too. Um, yeah, I. I did expect her to make a stronger connection between, um, how, just because of the title, um, the connection between how it's good for your bank account to appreciate your life. But she really, really downplayed that. She just basically said, you know, we're working with a different definition of rich here and wealth and abundance, and then left it at that. But I think there is a very direct connection, even though mm-hmm. she didn't emphasize it in this book. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Jeanette, do you get, yes. Oh, I just wanted to read in some stuff that Carrie had in the chat. If there's somebody else who wants to talk first, that's fine. I was. This is Nancy. I was just going to say, do you remember? Do you guys remember how when the Secret first came out, the DVD? Even though the Secret covered all kinds of topics, it covered health, it covered relationships, it covered money, it covered community, it covered a wide variety of subjects. There was a huge blowback of people saying, "I hated this video. It was all about money, 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 money." And yet it wasn't. But the people who had bad stories going on about money, that's all they zeroed in on. That's all they saw. So I'm thinking that Pam was trying to address that quickly and saying, you know, don't close this book. (laughs) This is not about, it's not only about money. It's about all types of richness and all types of um, abundance. So Carrie says in chat that she loved the book and happily is doing the 30-day challenge. She's on day six. On day six, she got very inspired. Um, Wait a minute, I'm taking. For Carrie, as someone who is still working her manifesting muscle, Pam really uh, simplified it, and I love that she gave us an easy challenge. She struggled with her first book didn't seem to solidify things for Carrie, but with this one, she's getting it. Um, Well, thanks for reading that in, Susan. I had a similar experience with the E-squared. I did not make it through, I think it was nine experiments, Uh, and and I I feel the same way, Carrie, that because the practice that she offers, although, oh my gosh, how many play party games or party favors she offers, like, is it? 
hard to tell on a Kindle, but it seemed like half the book was different ways to practice appreciation. But the core essence of the of what she's inviting people to do is just to begin the day with a declaration that something amazingly awesome is going to happen and then, and then name three things that you appreciate or are grateful for. And they just the only rule is that it can't it has to be something different every day. Did I get that right from everyone who's mm-hmm. Carrie? Did I get that right? Yeah, I think so. In fact she said yeah. the only reason she added anything else was because her editor said, Hey, you gotta have more exercises in here <laughs> So she made some up. But I like I like the simplicity of it as well. And we as conscious creators, everyone knows that the appreciation it's like the foundation of a good vibration so if we can switch from what we're worried about or what we're regretting from the past and just dial on to what's going right i mean we have so many different threads like that in the gbu forums a a wide variety of them just to help train our attention towards you know what what there is to be happy about because that's the vibration that makes all the difference in the world. And if that's the only practice we ever engaged, that would be very powerful creators. In fact, she's got a couple of really cool quotes in the beginning of the book. Um, So let's see. If you devote yourself to scouting blessings, you'll find them out the wazoo. If you turn each day into a 24-hour miracle reconnaissance mission, you'll call forth truth. You'll get the happily ever after. And she says, giving thanks, recognizing all the good in your life is the gateway drug to a life most extraordinary. I really like that. Gateway Mm -hmm. drug. If you want to be a crazy, strong electromagnet for love, be playful, be astonished, be grateful. Only then can the universe and its divine explosion of possibilities get serious with you. Um. Oh, this was a. I liked also how she was talking about. She references some science in a really light way. This is. It, she certainly doesn't go overboard or get heavy with it. But I did like those sections too. They were powerful reminders of exactly what we're up to here. In fact, I bet I could find one of those quotes really easily. Ooh, what we animate with our attention affects not just our personal experience. But the experience of the whole universe, that's what you were getting at, right, Ming, in her message mm-hmm. in the book? Right, now, right. We, according to Heisenberg, the German physicist, we affect and change everything we observe. He called it disturbing the observed. I'm not familiar with the, that phrase disturb used this way, but she says disturb to a physicist means to change or modify the molecules, the atoms, the energy that makes up a physical thing. Everything mm-hmm. I observe, everything I, I do affects everything else. Jeanette, what he's referring to there is if you think about the experiment with the electron microscope where there was nobody in the room, mm-hmm. yet the it changed mm-hmm. from when there was to when there wasn't. So that that's an observed disturbance. It's a disturbance. I love that. Yeah, and in fact, she says, this is what we do all day, every day. We look out at the world with our biases and beliefs and opinions and disturb the world. (laughs) Right. She had some great quotes from uh, other writers, too. In fact, she told some stories and and shared some quotes from some former GVU members. I recognize some names, um, and maybe you guys did, too, who've been around for a while. 
But uh, yeah, so chapter four, becoming the Warren Buffett of happiness. She said, I should get this out on the table right now. This book won't do a thing for your 401k or help you secure the McMansion you pasted on your vision board. It's not about getting rich in the traditional sense. She says, this is about building a different kind of portfolio. And then she goes on to describe <laughs> different types of capital. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. kind of funny. Uh, one was spiritual capital. One was, mm, let's see if I can find them. Oh, alchemical capital, spiritual capital, creative capital, adventure capital, and social capital. So she was having some fun with a different take on what it is to be rich. And trying to find one of those quotes I liked. Oh, here it is, by Michael... H-E-R-R, her. We give the material world, oh, it's in the section, we give the material world way more weight than it deserves. The quote from Michael, author of Dispatches, is, we're not just responsible for what we do, but also for what we see. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I really like that. (laughs) In that same section, she says, once you begin vibrating at a different frequency, the frequency of joy and gratitude, everything in your life will change. Things you never Mm -hmm. thought possible will show up. Like a master bedroom with a deck and a view, (laughs) even though your dog can't do stairs. (laughs) (laughs) We were chatting before we hit the record button for those listening to the recording that don't understand that reference. Um, So, ooh, and then she says, this was cool. She said, uh, this is why I've been commissioned to offer readers four free gifts. Each of these gifts from the universe will be custom made just for you can't promise exactly how yours will show up, but I can guarantee this. If you get on the frequency of gratitude explained in this book, you will receive the following four blessings. You know, she quoted Abraham Hicks later on in the book. I I wonder if she either hasn't heard Abraham's distinction between gratitude and appreciation or if she just doesn't buy into it. But um, Or maybe she just needed more words to write about it. But I – anyway – the first free gift, a personal symbol, a totem, a sign that universe has your back. The second one, a magical blessing from the natural world. A third one, a message from the other side. And the fourth one, a clear sign that something you've long clung to as absolute fact is not true at all. That kind of feels like a, oh, I loved how she said, uh, oh, she told a great story about how she wanted to go to that workshop. It was a $1,500 workshop in Cape Cod. I think she was in L.A. or something. She she had $59 in her checking account. She she said uh, she resolved to go, even though the responses from the three friends she was silly enough to mention it to went something like this. Dream on, fat chance, when pigs fly. This is what I highlighted. But I happen to know the universe can be a crafty mother. (laughs) So I send in my $50 (laughs) deposit. When you have $59 left in your checking account, it's very easy to let go of all notions you are capable of handling money on your own. (laughs) I had no choice but to let go of the absolute fact I could not afford the workshop. The very night I sent in my deposit, a woman I barely knew called me to do a project for her new company. She requested an article in Self Magazine about the cloth prosthetics she invented for breast cancer patients. Star six, maybe someone's got a barking dog in the background. It says, the project took me all of two hours. The exposure earned her nearly a quarter million, earned her, the cloth woman, 
a quarter million dollars and made me wonder, why didn't I charge a percentage <laughs> instead of a flat fee? But the 2000 she paid me was the exact amount I needed for the workshop and the airfare to get there. <laughs> Love that story. So uh, I'll, I admit, I got through, I don't know, the first dozen party games and party favors before I decided I didn't need to read it all in one sitting. So um, I didn't finish it, but I imagine she had more great quotes and great stories in those sections as well. Does anyone have anything else they want to highlight from the book or share about how it inspired them? Righty then. Does, does anyone else find that reading books online is... Um, not cool. Or, or at least on the computer is more tiring than um, reading a physical book. I I really want to. Maybe if I had a Kindle, would it be different if I was sitting on the couch instead of at the desk? Yeah, I would say so. I don't know. I've taken my laptop to the couch <laughs> and fallen asleep there. <laughs> so I don't. Know. I I think it's harder on the eyes. I I mean. I don't think I'm making that up, but um, I I, I want to I just want to have less things, but I still want to maintain my access to the book. You know what I mean? And I'm right. with gent girlfriend. Digital is the way to go. That's your answer in, there. In chat, Meg is saying that they've done studies that you don't retain as much if you read online versus on paper. Mm. Wow. And Beachwalker says, I never had the same vibe online as a book. I know I relax more. When I have a physical book in my hand, I relax more, and I'm more likely to, like, read a passage and then stop and really absorb it. You're right. Or You're going right. on. Reflect. Yeah. Right. And just but when I'm doing it on the computer or with an electronic device, I'm more likely to feel like I have to keep going. Maybe that's psychological. I I had that same experience here, and I haven't read a lot of books online or on com on the computer, but enough to know it's not my highest joy. I have a number of um, you know PDF books that I've gotten online that I just I print them, I print them double sided on from my c computer so that I have a physical document to read and highlight and you know make notes on and things like that. You can't print a Kindle, though, can you? You can't print like a Kindle version. I thought I saw something on my on Amazon when I was look, finding options to deliver it after I bought it. Speaking of which, I want to say thank you to the person who bought my copy. Someone sent me an Amazon gift card recently, and I used it on this book for the first time. And then I used the rest of it to go towards a new office chair. I'm so excited for that thing. Yay. Okay. Yeah, um, I totally forgot. Audible. Oh, I was gonna say, I think it. I think it. Ha I saw an option to download to like a USB port or something. I was like, really? You could do that? Because that'd be just like being able to lend your book to someone if you could download it and hand it off. I think you still have to open it with the Kindle app, though, and the Kindle app mm, would keep yeah. track of who it belongs to. Mm, so. Gotcha. Well, I've never in my entire life, I don't believe I've ever listened to listened to a book, if you can believe it. I don't think I ever have. 
I enjoy it. I listen all the time because I do too. I use them at, because I commute in the car and yeah, I would too. It did a lot of commuting and you know, um, and you still have the ability to you know back hit the back button if you want to hear something again, and because we hear with a different part of our brain than we read, it sometimes can elicit different emotions, listening rather than reading. Think about having somebody read to you. Mm-hmm. But it takes a really good audio book. Reader. Reader, and there are some fabulous ones who keep you engaged in, in interesting ways. That's so true. Like there's some, uh, you can go to YouTube and there's some books that they've put up there as being audio books, but when you click on them, it's like an electronic voice reading the book like this and you can't listen to it very long. You know, it's just, it's awful. It's just, ah. So yeah, having the right read, great person reading it can make a big difference. But I, I love to just, listen. I might need to just make peace with buying hard copy books. I'm reading everyone's comments about reading online in, in the chat room. And just giving away books and knowing that if I want to access the information again, I'll either remember it or I could always buy one again online. <laughs> it's not like once you give away your book, it's lost forever. So, so it sounds like it was a thumbs up for this book then, that yeah. everybody who read it enjoyed it uh, and appreciated it. There was something that Car- Carrie said. Oh, Carrie, Carrie had made a comment in chat that she um, that Pam tells us to watch for the good things even amongst the bad. Like today I'm having a lot of technical problems and it's easy for me to – uh, just focus on the frustration of that, but instead I'm now looking for the good in things with the tech problems or elsewhere in my day. It, it's truly good. And, you know, that's a good skill, I think. Isn't that part of our ninja thing, too, is looking for the good yeah. in the middle of the contrast? Yeah. You know, you know the, more, I, the more you do it, the more you just become amazed at the things that you called contrast when actually they're full of blessings, you know? Boy, and that has been proven to us so many times in hindsight, hasn't it? That I think it's easier to believe in the red hot moment of it. Um, but I can, I know myself well enough to know there are sometimes when a, a hissy fit is called for, like really, truly looking for the good. This is not going to help the situation. But there are many where, especially the more we practice it, I think the easier that gets to do, and um, and the less maybe that we experience the other side of that. Nancy, I wanted to reference something you said in chat room. Oh, I wanted to ask you, because you said something about learning in LOA books. What did you say exactly? That you, oh, that that, learn, that LOA books are a lot about remembering. You know, they're, yeah. they're just reminders. And of what we already that, know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the kind of the great thing about them uh, I, I said that I agree that how reading LA books is about reminders more than learning so I when I pick up an LOA book I don't necessarily intend that I'm going to have a 
massive learning experience. It's or just enough. Yeah, like like um, the only exception to that I have to say is Neville. <laughs> I was just like, thinking of Neville. I was just wondering is that definitely new. A new way of embracing it. Yeah, I was just thinking Cause, of Because uh, Neville's stuff is, is so amazing to me because I can read it and get it at one level, and the next time I read it, I get it at another level, and then the next time I read it, I get it at yet another level. It's like I keep up-leveling every time I read his stuff, and I have so much appreciation for that man and the work that he did. I, I don't know if he was ever respected during his lifetime for the work that he did but i can tell you i i'm flowing enough appreciation for all lifetimes you know but um it amazes me how uh i do find myself learning even if i'm rereading the same material i find myself learning over and over and over again with with his materials so that might be the only um, sometimes I literally get like cravings, like I, I'll be reading a bunch of other books and in the middle of it, I'll be like, I want to be reading Neville. I want to be reading <laughs> Neville right now. And I will drop what I'm reading and go find a Neville book and read that. So <laughs> I felt the same way when I was going through the books that I'd already gone through. I mean, I'd already narrowed down my book collection to essentials, but I was going to have to do it again. And when I put my hand, every time my hands would be holding Neville, I would just hold it to my chest and say, such a treasure. (laughs) That's really how I feel about what he has brought to us. um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. hi, my name is Nancy, and I'm addicted to Neville Goddard's writing. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. So, well... I'll tell you what, in my vortex is an LOA book where I do learn something fabulous (laughs) or something that inspires me in a whole new way, something that is above and beyond a reminder or a repeat inspiration. I can't wait to run across that. Probably why so often when I'm talking with someone, I like to, to, with a fellow creator, I like to ask, what are you reading? What have you been enjoying lately (laughs) in case someone else has found it? So anyone else been reading anything or watching anything, being inspired to your manifesting practice in any way lately that you want to share? This is Nancy, and I have been, um, well, I I had mentioned in the water cooler call, um, it wasn't last Friday, I guess it was the Friday before, uh, that I... I'm very eclectic in my reading, and like I just said, I could be in the middle of reading something, and I might get inspired to read something else. And um, a few weeks ago, (laughs) I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and this thought popped in my head, hey, where is that earth medicine book that you (laughs) have? Where's your earth medicine book? And I I had this book that a friend had given me years ago called Earth Medicine, Revealing Hidden Teachings of the Native American Medicine Wheel. And it's by Kenneth Meadows. And uh, let me see when it was published. Anyway, it was given to me quite a long time ago. And I have to say, this is one of the books that I got it and I started reading it and it didn't hold my attention. It was originally um, published in 1989 it was a revised edition edition came out in 1996 and that's the version that i have right now 
Um, but anyway, so the fact that this all of a sudden popped into my memory, I knew that I could not go back to sleep if I didn't locate the book. So, And as soon as I located the book and had it in my hands, I felt the urge to read it. And this time, the first time I got the book, I didn't get very far because it just kind of, I, I think I wasn't consciously ready for the book. Um, I had read bits and pieces here and there, but not really read it. And this time I really read it and I went through it and it had, I was, I have marked it up and put little flags all through the book of, of different things where um, uh, the teachings are very LOA, you know, there's a lot of LOA stuff in the middle of Native American teachings. And there's also a lot of stuff that's very related to A Course in Miracles. And they, and that surprised me. I, I didn't expect that at all. The, the LOA stuff didn't surprise me because um, I have a friend who's, uh, she's an Aboriginal Canadian, and she had told me that Abraham's teachings, Abraham Hicks, mm -hmm. is virtually identical to the teachings Ooh. that she had gotten from elder um, natives. Oh, my and, word. Yeah. So I want to read that book. Well, so, no, she's talking about, she was talking about how Abraham but, stuff. Yeah. I know. Someone should write the teachings of Native American elders mm -hmm. that is so in alignment with LOA via Abe, because I would want to read that book. Well, I don't know if you know this, but most Native Americans, at least, have um, an aversion to writing things down. In mm. fact, they have a belief that, not to trust anyone who has to write things down, which is interesting because the Western cultures and the European cultures, of course, have a history of writing things down and tracking and, you know. Uh, well, but the, Na and the Native Americans and the most Aboriginal um, societies have an oral tradition where information is passed down orally and people have to remember and memorize the stories and pass those down. So... I'd like yeah. to learn that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to so both. reading through this book, it was really fabulous because the first time I read it, I so misunderstood it. Um, in, in the middle of the book, it has like almost like an astro astrological, but it's it's based on, you know, dates, which coincide with the 12 house astrology that most of us are used to. But it's it's the Native American totems and the Native American information. And the first time I, I read the book, I really only took it at that surface level that, oh, this is like the Native American version of astrology. But it is so, so, so much more than that. And I missed that the first time around. And it's really a book written by a shaman about Native American shamanism and how the medicine wheel can help us understand ourselves better and as, as human beings. And it also makes sense that if this was built into the life of the average Native American before um, the white man showed up on mm -hmm. our shores here, that they this explains why they were so much more in tune with nature and the world than the Western people were. It's just, it's... I, I love the book. I think it's fabulous. I think it's a great resource to, you know, something to have to refer to. Um, 
And I think that it's not a book that, uh, it, just because it's not LOA specific doesn't mean that LOA people wouldn't enjoy it. Um, it's, it, I think it's really powerful and positive and has lots of really interesting information. And as I read, had read through it, I was just marveling at how it tied into so many other things. Like one thing that really struck me was that in, for Native Americans, the great father was light. So they, they saw that light came first and then sound. And so when our Bible says, you know, first came light and then the word, that it's basically saying the same thing. Um, and, 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 and they go into, you know, how what you're thinking, how you perceive the world is how you create it. And then they talk about the illusions that we create and how we can uncreate them and uh, how we can surrender. Uh, and, and they, they taught people actively how to surrender their problems to source, which is very much Course in Miracles teaching. Um, surrender it and, and ask for uh, Father, which is light, to bring the answer back to us. So, yeah, I, th I thought it was a great book. It sounds like one I would enjoy. I'm glad you I, – I, you mentioned it in the GVU forum on the Friday call, so it's already on my radar from that, but you're mentioning it again here. Makes me think I should be paying more attention. Um, Patricia, you're dialed in, right? Yeah, I am. You mentioned, was it the happiness track? Tell us about that. Um, so I, I guess I've heard on calls that people like Sean Acor, and it's kind of along those mm -hmm. lines. Um, mm -hmm. The author is a Stanford psychologist, and um, the book came out maybe a couple months ago, and it's basically all about sort of the research about happiness and compassion and all the benefits that it has. And so um, it's, it's kind of some of the latest research. But I always find those books so interesting because even though they don't take an LOA angle, it um, you know very much reinforces all of the stuff that we do with LOA. And so it's just kind of showing how the studies back that up, even though, you know, that's not her approach to taking to writing the book. But, you know, if you're a creator, then you can see the connection. You recognize yeah. it. Yeah. That makes sense. So it sounds like then it was, was it research-based? Was it a compilation of studies? Or was it an easier read than that? <laughs> um, no, like it's written like a pretty easy read. Um, but, you know, in it there she like draws on research to give you reasons why you should do certain things. Like she talks a lot about meditation and, you know, there's a lot of research about the benefits of meditation, but then, you know, she'll kind of tie it down to very practically what you can do and how it will help you at work and in your life and those sorts of things. Um, you know, there's talk about, you know, research about how stillness and taking a break, um, you know, helps you to be more creative and so, um, you know, like how we'll talk about leaving or going to walk your dog or whatever, and you get an inspiration. And I guess there's also research that shows that you're most likely to get ideas, not when you're sitting down trying to get ideas, but, you know, like when you're in the shower or when you're driving in silence or stuff like that, when you kind of give your brain a chance to rest. So then, you know, that's when the right side of your brain gets to working and gives you a great idea. You know, it sounds like it's the sort of science that 
is steering us exactly in the opposite direction of what so many have practiced for so long, at least in the working world, right? Like, you know, the more you work, the more productive you are. I think more and more the research says otherwise, and there are even employers who are in implementing policies that allow people to take advantage of the fact that by taking more time off or by taking breaks, we become more productive and more creative, more effective at the work that we're doing. Yeah, I actually um, consult to a lot of companies on that very issue, and it's interesting because the research will say one thing, but people don't quite trust it yet. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so in, in like small doses, people are okay with self-care or managing stress, but I think they still feel like if they do it too much, then they're, you know, automatically going to become really lazy or not accomplish anything. So, so is your job think, to tell them that it's really okay, you really can trust it? <laughs> basically, or if I'm doing executive coaching with someone who, you know, is overwhelmed and has a life of misery, that, you know, their life quality will improve if they actually apply some of this stuff. And not only that, they'll actually probably be more productive um, because they won't be, like, filling their heads with worry or stress or they'll actually be getting sleep and so their brain will work and, you know, stuff like that. You know what you're saying right now, Patricia, Nancy, it reminds me of the interview you posted of Oprah with the LinkedIn guy. Yeah, Jeff Weiner. Because mm-hmm. well, wasn't he a lot about, like, he was a workaholic before and then his wife convinced him this isn't what life is all about. Right. And he brought and that he- to the workplace. And I don't know if you caught the part where Oprah had read a review of his leadership style when he was younger and somebody had said about him that he was the type of person that used his intelligence as a club around everybody, you know, around everybody else. And, yeah, that's how he was. And then he – it was both his wife and then I don't know if you heard him also say there was a guy who used to be a Wall Street um, investor – who has since given his money away and now acts as a mentor for people, who um, has also helped him uh, to recognize this as well. But I've definitely had that experience where, and I think it's one of the reasons why I enjoy being self-employed, is that even though I work on tight deadlines for clients, I do it at my own pace. And I take the time to relax and and then the stuff comes to me, and I, I find that when I go to clients' offices and they want me to come up with an idea right there in the red-hot moment, right in that second that we're talking, I I don't respond well to that at all. But if I'm given time to go take a walk or take a nap or pet my cat or relax, the ideas just flow in. Mm-hmm. And... um and I think the more that companies recognize this, the more that they're going to allow people to have that time in the day. When I worked at Adobe, we they didn't – as long as you got your work done, you could do whatever you wanted. So if in the middle of the day you wanted to go for a walk, and sometimes people would do this, they would just – go for a walk. And at that time, the building that I was in was right across from what is now the Googleplex, the big Google headquarters. Uh-huh. And at that t- at the time that the Adobe office was there, that spot was an open field and it had hiking trails on it. So we would cross the street and go hike along the creek and just to get away from the computer 
and to br- breathe some fresh air and get some sunshine and take a you know 10 15 minute walk before coming back to the desk and you know doing whatever you had to do and i think the more companies um learn that they can do this and that it benefits and it's i think it's good for people like jeff weiner to come forward and say this is beneficial and this mm-hmm. this helps our productivity overall um, I think we already know there's some corporations like Oracle and a few others that were requiring their executives to meditate. And that's awesome. But when it starts to trickle down and and companies start to see how it's beneficial at all levels, not just the executive levels, but all levels of the company for people to have, um, you know, um uh, I don't want to use the word balance, but have a, an ability to flow with their own energy. It, it's it, the es- at the essence of it is is trusting your joy, like allowing yourself to do what feels a little better than you know what you would have been doing otherwise. Right, like a right. walk and I, along the creek. Yeah, and for some people, you know, who don't get that, they don't get that kind of a break during the day. They might wake up in the morning and their their better feeling thought is to throw the covers over their head and go back to sleep and not go to work at all, you know, to play hooky for a day or two to get to get that break. And how much better it is if they're given the chance to get the break throughout the day on a regular basis. It helps to keep stress down. It helps to keep our morale up. It helps mm-hmm. ideas to flow, um, you know. And and my clients are often amazed at how quickly I get things done. And yet the irony of it is that I don't push myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the that's irony. What alignment of it. looks like, right? And it show it shows you that we can actually be more productive if we build rest and relaxation into the whole process. You know, in Think and Grow Rich, Pam told the story of Catherine Bean who who was using that experiment of only doing what felt good. And that mostly included dog walks and looking at the ocean. She wasn't cleaning her room. Her roommate was like, uh, it's getting a little out of control in there. But she... Does anyone else remember the story of of that Catherine uh, was sharing about how she just did her very best to only do what she felt called to, what felt joyful to her? And I can't remember what what results she got from it, but I really I do remember that even for Catherine, it was a little bit challenging to practice, and I know that a lot of people. As appealing as it sounds, to actually be able to trust that inner guidance, the joy meter, you know, wherever it's pointing us. I like Pam used the phrase, the beeps, like from the GPS, beep, beep, beep. Uh, that It's one thing to even read about it. It's another to understand why it would be effective. It is another to live it. So I agree with you, Nancy, that the more people we see doing this in the workplace, I think that can help. Patricia, maybe you find this too, that giving examples of other companies that employ policies like this makes it easier for others to adopt them. But even for us personally, it can be a real challenge to be willing to trust what feels good. I Even in this move, there were a couple of times where 
it felt like, okay, well, there's, first of all, a bazillion things that need to be done in this house. But also for my business, like, I don't think I blogged for like a week and a half, and I was over two weeks on a podcast. I had hundreds of unread emails in my inbox, and I could feel the pressure that was like, you need to get to work. You need to get, you need to not let that get out of control. But I didn't sit down to it until it really felt, because I know enough to know that if you if you engage anything with kinky energy, nothing good's going to come from it. So um, just to be able to practice that trust that everything's going to be fine, that your life isn't going to fall apart. Unless I was thinking about in when Pam was talking about how powerful this practice is, I thought, yeah, unless someone had a really contrary belief. If it was a really challenging thing for someone to practice and they believed that life would fall apart because they stopped juggling all the balls in the air, then they'll manifest that. I mean, there might be some relief in there, but if, if there's stress, because some people would experience stress to give up the doing and the believing that they have to make it happen, that could have, um, it might be worth baby stepping their way in or easing their way into a practice like that rather than trying to go all in and maybe facing some really strong contrary gremlins. Yeah, Either I mean, they would um, manifest it or they would uh, or they would bring more resistance to the whole process and see things um bottle up. But I what I was gonna say, Jeanette, is that I think to some extent at least this was true for me and I've seen this in others as well, um sometimes we have to actually experience feeling the resistance and doing it anyway and then seeing the crappy outcome and then letting go mm-hmm. and then experiencing the better outcome to make that connection. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we the can real talk- life results, if we pay attention, that will reinforce the practice. Right, and it's probably happening all the time, but until we're consciously ready to notice it, we don't really see that it's been happening all the time. And then, uh, you know, I mean, I was raised by a father who ran the house kind of in a military style. Everybody had their chores and their things to do, and the house ran like clockwork. And I left that house and started my own house and kind of ran things the same way until I ran into my own roadblocks. And um, and I fought and fought and fought and fought for a long time until I discovered my own flow and my own my own guidance and how much better things were when I followed my own guidance. But initially the idea that I would just do what I wanted to do seemed laughable. You know, it's like, yeah, right. You know, and whose dream would that be? You know? Um, But once I started doing it and I started small by doing it in places where I could do it, Mm-hmm. And as I started to experience it, you know how Abraham says words do not teach, only experience yeah. teaches? You know, once I started to experience it, I started to expand it and play bigger and bigger and bigger and then see it, you know, prove itself in many, many, many different ways. So in chat, Carrie had made uh, a point that... um she said, I'm so working on trusting that myself right now, taking the time off to be productive, but I'm not trusting it yet, and I'm loving this chat. She said, as I'm practicing 
doing what feels good, I have a lot of tears as I fight the battle between my mind and my heart. I'm allowing the tears to release. And I think that's the um, that's the process. And especially if you've had, you know, your, your brain is telling you, I must do X, Y, Z, and your heart is saying, it doesn't feel right. Not right now. It doesn't. This doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel like the right time. But we do it anyway, and then it has bad results. Uh, and then, yeah. I, I was. Excuse me. Sorry. I was hoping I could chime in. It's Melissa because I really feel like I could help Carrie because I. Hi, I, Melissa. Hi. I. I. Sorry. You can. You want to finish, Nancy? Well, yeah, I was basically saying that I think it's the experience, you know, rather than looking at it as a bad thing, we can welcome it as part of an expansion of our consciousness that we're in a place where we can become aware that as we feel better, we get better results, and then we can begin to expand that experience in our life. So, yeah, that's basically what I was saying. Thanks, Nancy. Melissa, let's hear what you were going to share for Carrie. Um, hey, hi, hi guys. Uh, it's interesting because I went through the same thing as well. And I kind of had a, um, an even more interesting realization last night where I, I literally felt the emotion of my brain leaving and my heart taking over. And it was, um, I really do think it, like Nancy said, it's building the momentum in the easy ways. But I started to wonder if maybe all the processes that we take to make it easier is really just our source's way of trying to get us to connect back to the ease. Like maybe it's not about the processes or learning to do nothing. It's maybe about being nothing and just appreciating everything that's around you. But it's getting back to that person that we're supposed to be, that the processes, I think, just kind of jumble us up because it's hard to believe it's that simple. So I feel like Abe and Pam, they probably give us processes and things to do to make it easier to connect back to that ease that's so uncomfortable to just jump into. So that's why what Nancy was saying makes so much sense, because to go from A to Z, it causes so much resistance. But if you start with something small, like what makes me, you know, what's something I could do maybe for five minutes, and it could be as simple as like reading a trashy magazine, like just to start somewhere, I think if you build there, then everything will just kind of pick up, but it does take time. I'm laughing at the idea of reading a trashy magazine as homework from a coach. I just love the idea. I love that idea. Yeah, and, you know, what this reminds me a little bit of, oh, someone was, oh, it was probably in Pam's book where she was talking about a fellow author who had seen angels from the time she was young, but the angels told her not to tell anyone else that that's what she was looking at. As an adult, she finally did write about it. But what she, one of the things she said was that all babies and children see angels or these other beings, she calls them angels, up until the time they can talk. But by then they've learned what's real, in air quotes, and what's not. Right. That It reminds me how we're kind of doing the same thing with ourselves with this process, we're taking ourselves back to what used to be totally natural, right. but seems so foreign and so uncomfortable and so strange. Right. And it's, it's ironic that you would use baby because it's like we're taking baby steps to get mm. back to being a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Nancy was 100% right because it's not something you can jump right into, but I think that's the journey. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause it's definitely worth making. Agreed. Yeah. 
It's okay, Carrie. It gets easier. <laughs> Hey, Melissa, well, we got you on the line. How's the weather in L.A. today? Oh, it's beautiful, guys. It's so <laughs> I knew you nice. were going to say that. Well, it's nice sunny, but it's really sunny. You know, well, it's sunny everywhere. It's sunny wherever you are, but it's really nice and sunny here. <laughs> Not surprised to hear it. Um, okay, Patricia, did you have anything else you wanted to share from your happiness book? Uh, not that I remember, no. <laughs> I wanted to get the full title and the author, so tell us again who wrote it and what it's called. Um, so it's called The Happiness Track, and the author is Emma Seppala, S-E-P-P-A-L-A. Cool, right on. Uh, thank you for that. I know someone in chat room said they were reading something, Sisters of the Sorry or something like that. I'm trying to scroll through and see where I might have seen that. Oh, Sisters of Sorry. Carrie. Carrie just read Sisters of the Sorry. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it was a good for the soul novel. I agree with Carrie when she was talking about how she says, I love my self-help books, but I need my novels as well to turn off the brain and indulge a bit more, which can also be inspiring. I totally agree. I just... I'm re- I'm finishing right now. I fell asleep last night. I only had like 10 pages to go. thought I could make it. Nope. I fell asleep holding the book. Uh, a Man Called Ove. I don't know the author's name. In the reviews, they 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 were something like, they, they were a little bit dismissive of it. Like, oh, it's just kind of a light, you know, not too serious, totally see where it's going sort of book. But I'm, I'm enjoying it all the same. I don't know who, who would ever... It's, it was just easy, fun. It's just a fun little novel, although the guy's super ornery, honestly. Honestly, I wondered whether I should finish it because the guy was really, really ornery. But but then you through the book, you understand his perspective better. And you see, he isn't just a grumpy old man. There's a lot more to it than that. And I thought that could come in really handy when I'm looking for alternate perspectives on uh, things happening in the real world. So I'm enjoying that one. I also enjoy my novels at night, too. On the docket for me to read, I don't have my book stack in front of me. In fact, I don't know exactly where my new book, my new books are. I packed them separately so they'd be easy to find. I don't know where they are. Does anyone have any ideas for next month's book, though, so we could all get a head start on it? So. Hey, I see that Carrie read a book called Mutant Message Down Under. Sounds like a book for you, Jeanette. (laughs) That that sounds familiar. Either I read it or my dad told me enough about it that I feel like I read it. What's it about? Has anyone who's dialed in read it? Susan, did you say you've read it? Or was it Nancy? I thought I saw someone say they'd read it. Somebody else said they read it in chat, but I Hmm. am not seeing at the moment who it was. Maybe it was Beachwalker. Oh, yeah. Uh, Beachwalker says, Carrie, I read Mutant Message Down Under. Great story. Some discussion on whether it's fact or fiction. Um, yeah. Boy, it sure sounds familiar to me. Yeah. Um, and then somebody, Beachwalker recommended Trauma Releasing Exercises by Dr. David Bercelli. I guess that's how his name is pronounced. And then Cecily said, oh, yeah, I've read that. Um, she liked that That's book. a powerful thing to practice, not just in fact, I did a couple of those positions through the move um the The theory behind it is that the body registers trauma physically, 
And if we let the body do what it naturally does, it will release that trauma. But most of us are conditioned to play it cool or to pretend like everything's fine so we don't do the natural release. This is just like, I've noticed this with Elvis. If um, if he's been in, in something uncomfortable, either I picked him up when he didn't want to be held or he like fell off something that he didn't mean to fall off, he, he, he gives it a little shake. And that's all there is to it. He gives it a little shake. But if he... If you try to keep holding him, he's going to give his shake. <laughs> you you might try be trying to tell him it's okay. He's not really okay till he shakes it off, literally. Okay, what the, the author did was he by observing children in a war zone, he noticed how the, how differently they responded than the adults to the trauma they were experiencing, and he learned how to incorporate some of the physical positions that they engaged to release that kind the, those energies that traumatic energy and so by practicing these on a somewhat regular basis you can keep your body free of the sorts of things that might not be pleasant to be hanging on to otherwise and i got to say it's pretty cool i learned it uh in oh i don't i don't know if it was Martha Beck coach training or when it was Equ- it was through equus coaching with Coel Simpson but we had all they ran us through a couple of different positions right there in person and it was pretty amazing how effective that was at offering it's when the, we did equus it was equus oh yeah it was um it felt like a great way to release resistance yeah like a, a physical well. way so many releasing resistance things are mental but this one was physical and i thought pretty powerful i got a couple favorites that i engage now and then Remember, it was the spinning one. I like the one where you put your hands on the on your back and you lean weird and you turn your head right. back. I like that. That's my favorite one. I also started to lean against the wall with my knees up, and um, that's hard physically. <laughs> I've done too much moving to think that one was going to be a good idea, so I just did the back bend one. What about physically shaking yourself the way our pets do? Like, yeah, that, that's another technique to take the area like an arm or a leg or whatever and and just shake it till it's like jelly. That was another technique. Martha was talking about how she had a tire blowout on the freeway once and she pulled over and she it was super scary. And instead of, you know, like just jumping out and going on to solve her problem and get on with her day, she took a minute to sit there in the driver's seat and just pound on the steering wheel and scream and shake her head like, you know, like um, like an animal would when, when it experiences something really challenging. Like a hissy fit. Kind of, yeah, just like that, yeah, <laughs> now that you mention it. Yeah, I haven't, so I haven't read the book. Well, I owned the book. I hadn't read it. I bought it because I thought I loved the, what I learned when I was with Susan at Equus uh, training so much that I bought the book. I'm not sure it made it through my last pass of giveaways, so I might not still own it. But I never did read it. So, uh, uh, In chat, Susan had um, summarized or posted the summary of Mutant Message Down Under. 
Um, and it says it is a fictional account of an American woman's spiritual odyssey through the outback of Australia. She was summoned by, summoned by a remote tribe of nomadic aborigines to accompany them on a walkabout. The woman makes a four-month journey and learns how to thrive in natural harmony with plants and animals that exist in the rugged lands of Australia's bush. And it was written by Marlo Morgan. Yeah. Well, we're about, uh, we're just past the top of the hour, so we'll post what our next, what next month's book review will be. If anyone has any suggestions, pass them along. And if anyone listening to the recording has something you've been tuned into that's really fabulous, please post about it in the forums. I'll start a thread. And in the meantime, let's all go disturb our world in some really fabulous ways. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thanks Everyone's for joining good. this discussion. It. it was super fun, everyone. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Bye. Bye everyone. Take care. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.